What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome, welcome, welcome to an all-new episode of GVN Review. This week, we will be breaking down the entire first and only season, apparently, of Hellstrom. Um, I'm your host, Jawan, and I'm joined by the amazingly talented Tia. What's going on, Tia? Hello, everyone. I am super excited to talk about this with you. Um, and I guess we should say spoilers for those who haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, 100% we will be spoiling the hell out of this first season. Um, first, I wanted us to start off with uh, me and Tia had a few gripes, not with the show but with the business side of how Disney essentially handled uh, this Hulu universe that could have spawned from um, this show. Uh, Tia, I'll let you lead into this and then I'll kind of piggyback off of where you go. Absolutely. So, oh God, I I am adopting your catchphrase there. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, what you calls it? Yeah. So when I was doing my review, my written review yesterday, I was looking online, and um, Hellstrom was supposed to spawn off a whole universe called Adventure into Fear. And it was going to include Hellstrom, Ghost Rider, I believe another um, show, I forget what it is now, but a lot of people surmise that, you know, the Punisher could live within this universe, just that this was essentially going to be Marvel, Marvel was going to use Hulu to put their darker characters in right because these are characters that do exist within the comics and these are characters that people want to see but necessarily that they wouldn't fit within the cinematic mcu and i thought that that would have been a wonderful idea and they were going to use ghost rider with gabriel luna who played him in agents of shield everyone was really excited and then they nixed that Okay, so that happened. They nixed the other show that was supposed to happen. And my guesstimation here is that Hellstrom was too far into its production. Um, but if it hadn't been, they probably would have pulled the plug on that as well. So Mar- so this was uh, in conjunction with Marvel and ABC Productions, uh, which makes sense because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was on ABC if they were going to do a Ghost Rider show. Um, it looks like that was a partnership that kind of fell through, honestly. So Hellstrom, the interesting thing about it is that um, every Marvel project has always had you know the Marvel insignia on the title card. It's always started with you know the Marvel uh you know the everyone knows the beginning right the marvel stuff i mean we've even seen it on the netflix shows they've been on in the fox marvel the mcu whatever and we did not get that with hellstrom uh, marvel did not promote this at all um i kind of joked around and said that hellstrom is like marvel's forgotten son because it completely uh distance itself from this project in fact if you watch hellstrom the only time you see marvel is in the beginning credits at the very bottom it says a production by marvel and abc 
So it's very interesting there with all of that. And I have to say, I'm, I'm disappointed with Marvel by that. I'm a huge MCU fan. I love their movies. I'm very excited for all of their Disney Plus shows. I love their Netflix shows. But I think that in a way, and you can disagree with me, but I feel like you may agree with me that I think that Kevin Feige and Disney are getting a little too arrogant in their confidence here because they need variety and they're a little too confident in their normal, you know, status quo that they think that fans don't necessarily need this, but it's like, we would have loved a continued universe like this to get that variety. But it seems to me as if they wanted to just, you know, one and done this and then concentrate on the Disney plus shows. And that's that. I mean, that's why literally they slashed um, the Netflix, Marvel shows, uh, anything else like the gifted Legion. Um, oh gosh. What was the other one with the the two kids with one was light, one was dark, you know. Oh, oh Cloak yeah, and Dagger. I, know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Cloak and Dagger. Cloak and Dagger. So, you know, they, they slashed that as well. And admittedly, all of these projects were during the Jeff Loeb uh, error. And I believe Hellstrom is the last Jeff Loeb. Um, or it could be Modoc. I'm not exactly sure. But it just seems like Kevin Feige's like, anything that Jeff Loeb touched, we want nothing to do with it anymore. All right, so I'm going to look at this from a, a Feige standpoint. Albeit, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily, I don't, let me just get into it before I, I, I go any further. So if you're Kevin Feige, mm-hmm. um, you don't like the idea of a universe being built in a world that you now own. Because remember, he now oversees everything. There's not. But whereas before, whereas before, this was a separate Marvel television. And, and that has been absorbed into Marvel right. Studios. Right. He now oversees everything. There is, there is nobody above him now. He oversees everything. Comics, toys, um, TV, movies, uh, all of that. He oversees it. So if you're Feige, you don't like the idea of a universe being built that you had no part of. Meaning you want to be able to do it how you want to be able to do it. So for example... As soon as Ghost Rider was canceled, me and Joel immediately text each other and was like, he wants to use him for a movie. That's the only reason why. It wasn't like, oh, we don't, you know, we think it's too edgy. It was legit because we're going to see Ghost Rider along with Blade, along with Moon Knight, uh, along with Doctor Strange. We'll see that being used. Um, now, is it possible that um hellstrom is being canceled as early as it is because maybe feige has plans for hellstrom down the road absolutely absolutely it's possible um i kind of feel like because me and joel used to always say uh i don't know how often you watch any of the the disney channel um marvel cartoons anytime they showed somebody on that cartoon they weren't far off from kevin feige using them in live action so it was kind of like um there was a huge uprising of Kamala Khan in the cartoons recently. And mm-hmm. I remember seeing that going, oh, he has something up his sleeve. And then the next thing I know, she's the lead of a video game. Now she's being casted and now she has her own show. Um, so to me, he's always thinking bigger. Inhumans canceled, albeit gratefully so. Um, <laughs> you know, we got word that he does want to bring them to, to, uh, to the movies. 
uh, which is great because the original concept for doing Inhumans in the movies was nixed, which is why they did this show. Um, but my whole thing with Inhumans, and I'm sorry to interrupt, no, is I thought it was one of those things where it's like, um, you know, Inhumans was pretty much X-Men without being X-Men. And at the time, Marvel and Disney didn't have the rights to X-Men. But now that they have X-Men, it's like, what do they really need Inhumans for? It's 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 not really the same thing. It, it, it mm-hmm. honestly isn't. Like, no one will see X-Men in the Inhumans and go this is too similar like i don't need to see both like all that i didn't see in humans i heard it was so god awful that it was virtually unwatchable which by the way was done by the same guy behind the first season of iron fist so you know bad track record there yeah very bad track record um excuse me but to me um he always seems like he has a bigger plan um so it's always hard to to be mad at a guy who was just giving us way more than we ever thought we'd get. Mm. Um, But I mean, I just look at it and my only, my only gripe is Tia that you keep giving us stuff that happens to be good. Like I haven't seen new mutants yet, but my fear is I'll love it knowing good and well, I'll never see any more of it. Like any more of that cast, any more of that director, that writer uh, with those characters. So, I, you know, finishing Hellstrom, I'm like, I loved it, but there's a really good chance I won't see this cast together again. Daredevil, I freaking loved it. It's a really good chance I won't see that cast together. Iron Fist just got good. Yeah. It's a very good chance I won't see that cast together again. So, to me, that is what's frustrating about Kevin Feige nixing it. But then, on the other hand, there just really hasn't been any major castings in the MCU that have been bad. So, well, so my I'm only, I'm sorry. Again. No, um, my only thing that I would say is, see, this is the difficult thing. Cause I sit here and I say to myself, you know, Kevin, there's no reason why you can't bring some of the Netflix people into the MCU because you have proven that you're so willing to bring uh, Spider-Man people back. But then someone pointed out, you know, that is technically Sony um, who's bringing back, you know, JK Simmons as J Jonah Jameson, Jamie Foxx as Electro. I mean, these are, these are characters by the same people from movies that were way before the MCU um, in two different Spider-Man universes, you know, and it's like, okay, well you're, you're doing that. I, don't see why you can't bring back some of the Netflix people because, you know, albeit everything else, but the Netflix shows were supposed to exist within, you know, the MCU. They reference things that happened in the MCU quite a bit. So it's like, you know, I feel like they can't, they could do that, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want to give myself false hope. <laughs> yeah, no, when it comes to Feige, giving false hope is the most dangerous thing for us to do. Um, but I, I will say, I always have the mindset of, let's say Feige wants to do a Daredevil movie, right? Let's say he wants to do a Daredevil movie. I don't ever like handicapping a director to telling him like, hey, this is your actor. Um, what if the director wants to pick his own actor? Um, you know, obviously, Charlie Cox is like our Daredevil. It's, it's the guy that when we talk about Daredevil 
20, 30 years from now, we'll be telling people like, no, 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 don't worry about Ben Affleck. Like it, it's Charlie Cox. Like that <laughs> was our daredevil. Um, but to me, it's like, it, you, I compare it to this, Matt Reeves, right? Mm-hmm. Matt Reeves came into the, the, the picture with Ben Affleck being his Batman. Now, if you're Matt Reeves, what if you didn't want Ben Affleck to be your Batman? Um, you're now you're now working with the idea of like, damn, I had this idea of Batman being like late 20s, early 30s, not like mid 40s, early 50s. Like now it completely throws off what I wanted to do. Um, so you see how much happier he seems with the idea of creating something all of its own. Um, he can create his own universe now. And I look at the Daredevil situation and I kind of go, if Feige is planning a Daredevil movie, if, this is a strong if, um, there's a chance that Feige wants to do what he's been doing since 2007, and that's cast his own people. Um, And, you know, again, Sony, Spider-Man is is always hard to work from. Like, it's not a good, it's not a good example to, to compare only because we have no idea if Electro being in this was Feige's idea or Sony kind of saying like, we really would like to see what we did with Miles in that movie kind of bleed into live action. And we'd like to start it under your emblem. Like if that was Sony's idea, that's not on Feige. Feige just was like, you know, it's not a bad idea, sure. Um, And we know this though, Tia, Daredevil, Punisher, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and Iron Fist were in the MCU because Jessica had mentioned the attack on New York. She told well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah they say it. Treat me like I'm that big green guy, like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not like that. So it's in the MCU, so it would have to be a very soft reboot, whatever they wanted to do uh, with those characters going forward. Yeah, they are part. I mean, they reference the incident in New York several times. I believe that was even the plot of the first Daredevil season. Wilson Fisk built up all of his real estate due to all of the destruction by Loki attacking uh, New York City. And, you know, and they even talked. I think Jessica Jones even said something, Captain America. She even mentioned Captain America at some point. At some point, they even mentioned the prison that was in the middle of the ocean in Captain America Civil War. So, you know, it very much was in the MCU. Um, they, oh, in Luke Cage, you know what the, it was hammer technology. <laughs> the the yeah. stupid suit that uh that uh oh god diamondback wore that looked like uh, god that was such a terrible suit but that was diamondback i mean that not diamond that was hammer technology so yeah um yeah now, i mean like i said i don't necessarily disagree with you i want to see these characters come back i immediately told joel the guy that played um damon i want him to be um jj abrams constantine um he is british um, you know, that was the first thing I looked up because I was like, people are gonna say, Oh, he's not. So I looked it up and I'm like, this guy would be an amazing Constantine. Um, yeah. and I'm like, I just want to see him in something else superhero like because he did such an amazing job. Um, so I, I'm with you. I'm I'm not happy that this is this is probably the end of the road. Um, I was very much upset as I was watching the end credit scene for the very last episode. I was like, Oh, come on, what? Why would you even put this in the episode? 
Like, <laughs> like, why would you even have this in here? Like, once they told you, like, this was it, take it out. Um, but before we get into the, the show itself, I wanted to go over one more thing. Yeah. And that is um, this show had a MA rating <laughs> for absolutely no reason. Yeah. Absolutely no reason. None of the murders were gruesome. Um, I'd say maybe some of the looks of the dead bodies maybe is what was kind of gruesome. Um, there was one, and I mean one sex scene, and she legit had her clothes on. Uh, <laughs> so I'm like, what was this MA for, Tia? Does it, did it make sense to you why the show just couldn't have been PG-13? It made no sense. In fact, I don't think i guess i didn't really pay attention to the fact that it was an ma i do remember a few episodes them saying oh this is adult content you know yada yada but i literally binged it within one day so i think everything just started bleeding into each other (laughs) um but i told you and i'm don't mean to keep referencing back to the netflix marvel series but you know we watched the Netflix Marvel series and we were talking about this before we recorded. I mean, there were some pretty graphic sex scenes. Um, there was some very graphic violence. I mean, to this day, the Punisher using a shotgun to blast that Irish dude's face off is still one of the most like graphic things I've seen on TV. I have to look away. And the prison scene. And the prison. Oh, yeah, no, the prison scene. And as I said, the first season, Jessica Jones, where Kilgrave literally made a guy fall onto like garden shears. I mean, absolutely horrific. Oh, he made his mom like stab herself. Someone take a. I'm just saying, like, very gruesome, very uh, Jessica Jones and graphic sex scenes uh, where they broke a bed. And, and every single uh, season, you know, they threw out an F bomb at some point, whatever hellstrom i think they said shit once literally because it stood out to me and i was like oh that's the first time i heard them say something like that no f-bombs um yeah got dropped um as you said sex scene was like the most awkward thing i've ever seen i was just like did i just see that right like and i'm sorry the guy who played damon is a very good looking man and the woman who played gabriella is a very good looking woman and i'm like you robbed us from seeing that <laughs> happen. Um, but uh, what you call it? Yeah. And the blood really wasn't a whole lot of blood. They did a good, see, they did a good job in like cutting away from scenes that you would just imagine are very gruesome or something, you know, which is fine with me. Hmm? To me, it was okay. So I, I want to preface this because I know our listeners are going to, are going to kind of go, what does the rating have to do with anything? The reason why I brought up it being a waste of an MA is in the, the box where it says MA, it says for language and violence, mm-hmm. neither one of them lived up to an MA rating. To me, I like once I saw that it was MA, I'm thinking, man, demonic spirits, you know, the, the powers that they have, we're going to see like heads pop off, heads spinning, you know, like crazy visuals. And I kind of felt like they they labeled it M.A., but shot it as if it were PG-13. And the thing um, is, is that rating M.A., it, it discourages certain people maybe from seeing it, which I think is ultimately what they wanted. They wanted kids or parents, you know, to discourage their kids from watching it. 
Um, to me, an MA rating, if it's not MA, hurts a project, such as, let's use the example of Birds of Prey. We talk about plenty of times that there is no need for Birds of Prey to be rated R. And I think that ultimately hurt itself. If it, you know, Deadpool obviously needed to be rated R, and it very much was rated R. Birds of Prey, all they need to do is take out all of the F words, you know, and it would have been fine. And they probably would have gotten more people into the theaters. And that's how I felt about Hellstrom. It's like there really was no need for you to have that MA rating. If you're going to have that MA rating, go for it, right? Like, go for it. But it seemed that the powers like Marvel Studios maybe were holding it back a little. I And one of the things I wanted to point out really quick, I don't want to take too much time about it, is that... um. First of all, I know virtually nothing about these comic book characters at all. I did very brief research while I was writing my review, but the actual there are a few things that I noticed. In the actual comics, their last name is spelled H E L L S T R O M. In the show, it's with one L. Um, Anna, her real name is Satana, which they never you know, Satan with an A at the end. They never say it in the show. And in the comics, Hellstrom has an actual pentagram on his chest, which they never show in the actual show. So it's like, to me, they really were trying to stay away from those like demonic things, either again, because it's Marvel or part of me was like, maybe they saw the backlash that like Sabrina, the chilling like adventures of Sabrina got. And they were like, we don't need that for this, but they definitely stepped away from some of like the Satanism. And they never truly mentioned who their dad was. Whereas in the comics, it full on says like son of Satan, um, which obviously garnered controversy for Marvel at the time. Um, but those are things that I noticed that they were trying to take out of the show. Yeah, there was a lot of this that they uh, they backed off from. Uh, Hellstrom is a lot more wild um, of of a uh, a character, and the the comic is a lot more wild than what the show um, allowed. But again, it goes to. If you're MA, go for it. Like when you watch it, it lived yeah. up to being rated R. Like it, it didn't. I didn't leave that going. Yeah, you kind of needed to be like, you know, you could have maybe got away with PG. Like, no, it needed to be MA. Uh, I mean, rated R. Sorry. Um, but yeah, with this, they could have they could have went for it a lot more than they did. They played it safe a lot. Like this felt like a sane version of the exorcist of emily rose like that's legit what it felt like it felt like if you thought exorcism of emily rose was excessive this wanted to back down from it um but we don't say that to discourage anyone from watching the show we love the show um our gripe is more so it needed to kind of stretch its legs to be what it what it uh what it truly is uh, and, and that only would have enhanced how much uh, more we, we enjoyed it. But we can get into the pilot to you. Um, this is a very, very scary opening uh, of, of a show. Um, I thought they did a great job conveying. To me, the one thing I always tell people that's very important about shows is um, I treat a show opener like chess. You want to see all the pieces on the board, right? Before you move anybody, you want to make sure you got all the pieces on the board. And when they showed what, Dame, uh, what Damon, um, what he does, when they showed what his sister does, who his mom was, I'm like, you got all the pieces on the board now. Now let's get into some fun. 
Uh, and I, th I thought they did a great job. Um, I will say the introduction to Damon might have been one of my favorite introductions <laughs> to a character. Um, the parents kind of needing him to perform an exorcism on their son. Uh, he kind of goes to the son and is like, yeah, you're full of shit. This isn't real. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I just, I, I love it. And then when he scared the kid to kind of let him know, like, if you want to really be about this, let me show you what it's really like. Um, walk me through, T.A., your, your thoughts on um, how they set up uh, Damon and how they set up this first episode. Yeah, um, I love the introduction to Damon. At first, you get it where it's a family. They're worried about their son being all demonic and shit. And there's a sister and it's like, okay, a priest is going to come. You're like, oh, all right. It's a, a bit of like the exorcism coming in. And he goes up there and the kid is like spouting some crazy shit. And uh, he says like okay this is holy water and he throws it at him and the kid's like ah and the guy's like yeah no i just got this in your bathroom actually like two <laughs> seconds before this he's like you're full of shit he's like i suggest going downstairs apologizing and coming back up here and washing all this with bleach and the kid like keeps going and damon goes you know really strong bleach and i did love when the kid goes to like strike damon and that's when all of a sudden you see like the fire happening and it's like, oh, it reminded me a bit of, um, I don't know, Joanne, if you ever saw this movie, Red Lights, I'm not going to get too much into it, but very much a thing of like, you have the fake and then you have the real person who's like, oh, you think you have this. Let me show you what this shit really is. And I really like that. But I liked how. As you, I think you had even said he's kind of like a more tamed version of a Constantine. Um, he definitely was very sarcastic. He, you know, kind of he said, you know, he says to the mother or something like, um, "Oh God, the internet isn't your son's teacher" or something like that. He says something to the parents, like pretty much just like your kid's just looking for attention. Be better parents, and they're like, "Why? What did I do?" And he's just like, "I don't have time for this. I don't have time." Like. I'm so sick and tired of this shit. Like he's not sensitive at all. And Gabriella is all about like, Hey, you know, they're just parents who needed a solution to something that they didn't understand. And maybe we should be a little bit more sensitive. And Damon's like, yeah, no, I'm not about that. Yeah. And, and I loved it because he was kind of letting them know, like, um, tippy towing around this isn't going to help anybody. Like they needed to know, like your your son is 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 full of crap, uh, and you know just do a better job being a parent. Like be there for him. Like he obviously feels like you're not giving him attention enough, so he had to go to the extreme. Um, but yeah, that was hilarious when he was suggesting to him how to like clean all that crap off the walls. Uh, he was very adamant, like a, a lot of bleach. But what had me dying laughing is when he's like, uh, "Oh no, this is water from your bathroom downstairs." And the kid kind of gave him a look and he's like, not from the toilet. I'm not, I'm not a monster. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I was, I was dying laughing. I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to love this guy. Um, no, but that was a great introduction to who he is. And um, I, I want to pull it up here. Um, the, the full cast. Cause I don't want to say that lady. I want to, I want to give everybody their, um, 
names. Um, while you're doing that, I did want to say that I enjoyed his character because he, while there were moments where he's very, say, like rigid, he, you know, he's not very like his face isn't very expressive, right? Right. But it's not like he was a boring character. He was sarcastic. You could tell that he had these, you know, conflicts in him. He had his morals. It's like you got all of this by someone who maybe isn't the most outwardly expressive. And I appreciate that. It's like that to me is good acting. When it's like you still can t- say who this character is without them being like this overly just like expressive person. Yeah, and I, I think what I love about what you just said is to me, it's like whenever you see a character that's in a mask for a whole movie, um, they then have to get very, very, very expressive with their hands. Uh, with their body like you have to feed off of them from that because obviously their face is covered with Damon what I loved was he was so the expression wasn't there so he had to do a really good job expressing it through words and through actions so when he spoke you understood whatever emotion he was trying to convey it wasn't like how a lot of people complained about Brie Larson and Captain uh, and Captain Marvel Mm-hmm. To where it's like, bro, I don't know if she's sad, happy, or mad. Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, you can kind of hear it, the inflection in his voice, whether it was lowered or hired. Um, like you knew when he was angry. Like that wasn't yeah. like, oh, I don't know if he's. You know when he's upset. Uh, you can see it in his eyes. Um, and when he's emotional, you also can hear because he kind of drops his voice a little bit. So he did. The actor did a really amazing job at conveying emotion without literally having to show it in his face. Um, But the person I was looking up to was Dr. Hastings. Um, And I loved Dr. Hastings, especially for what she was for Damon. Um, Like I loved, I loved every time she put Damon in in Anna in in their place. Uh, And they both kind of was just like, yes, ma'am. Like there was that level of respect that they had for her um because she was she was pretty much damon's mother i mean we don't have to say like damon's she was his mother um the level of respect that he had for her was very high um so walk me through your uh your thoughts on the um the introduction of dr hastings yeah i um the thing about hellstrom the show that's so great is that there is never a character in it that i say disliked like out of the main core group of characters i never was like i can't stand this person i don't like when this person's on screen i thought that they all did a really good job in playing their part in this bigger story and i believe the actress's name what i looked up yesterday is uh june carroll did i get that correct of dr hastings i think you have the uh yeah, june okay carroll. Yeah. okay she was really good because again she had like a subtlety to her right again she is not while not as say um like she's a little more expressive obviously than say damon but again not like hugely expressive there's like this beautiful subtlety to her um and she is very um gosh what's the word she's very reserved in the fact that like she's running 
this huge freaking like psychiatric facility not only is she dealing with people who do have mental illnesses but she's dealing with freaking demonic possessed patients and she just has this like quiet like elegance to her in dealing with all of these freaking people and i loved it and i will tell you we'll get into this later but there's a scene with dr hastings that comes later where i was like no no (laughs) i was like are you kidding me um i was you know but we'll get into that later but i really enjoyed her and um as you said she really was Damon's mom because as we find out, uh, Damon's real mother has been a patient of the psychiatric hospital for the past, say, 20 years because she's had a freaking demon inside of her. So Damon needed someone to raise him in that motherly you know, position, and it was Dr. Hasting. Um, so I really loved her. And I will ask you one thing, Joanne. Did it take you back a little that, like, all, there was never that cliche character. I know that Gabriella didn't know about what was going on originally, but she took it remarkably well. There was none of that like clicheness of like, oh my god, there's demons, you know? Like it, everyone kind of was in the know. Like everyone was surprisingly calm about. It. Like I didn't realize that like Doctor Hastings was involved. You know, Chris Yen was involved. Like everyone knew about this, and I didn't expect that at first. You would think like, oh, maybe it's just between Damon and Anna it's like no 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 it's like this whole underground society where they're all involved and they all know about it yeah what impressed me was well with Gabriella what didn't shock me was when she mentioned to Damon she was there with Damon to perform an exorcism um so the idea of a demon possessing somebody is not like new to her right I think what was new to her was how powerful a demon inside of a body could be. Um, that is what kind of took her aback a little bit. Like, God, they, they can get this powerful? Uh, and it's like, yeah, like what you've seen before is nothing compared to what exists out there. And obviously seeing Damon have abilities uh, is what took her back. Um, Yen, I believe, always knew about uh, Anna. I assume once she told him or showed him um, so that concept wasn't foreign to him. Caretaker obviously comes from that world, and so does Dr. Hastings. Um, so, you know, like you said, it was only like a shock to uh, people outside of the, the main cast. Um, and we'll get into some of those people. But, yeah, I, I like that. To me, don't have it to where I'm sitting here and I'm watching a whole bunch of people that are like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Right. Like, move past it and let's let's keep going. Well, that's what I was saying. What I liked about it is that you didn't have any of that le- like cliche moments that you would have normally in a movie or TV show that has anything to do, whether it's demons or powers or anything. They didn't have that. And I appreciate that because it didn't take up time. It always was going to the actual story of the season. And that I appreciate. Like, I don't have time for the to for these people to be coddled pretty much yeah no i'm with you on that i wouldn't have had patience for that whatsoever (laughs) um but we definitely have to go now to the uh the star of this entire series and well let me not say star let me say the vocal point of this entire series and that's definitely mama hellstrom and victoria 
Uh, and it's funny because the actual actress's uh, name is Elizabeth Marvel. I saw that. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> you fit in right at home. Um, but what were your thoughts on seeing the introduction to how terrifyingly scary Victoria was? It really was great because, first of all, that actress has been um, – she's played a recurring defendant lawyer in Law and Order SVU. So I've always just only seen her really as one – character and it was cool to see her in this and i have to say she did a remarkably good job um i at first i will admit was a little say confused because um the entity in her they kept calling mother so i kind of was like where does the line you know end between mother and victoria like their actual mom um i was like say a little confused as to you know how this demon even became to possess victoria but um it's amazing to me that you have say like a demon who has powers being trapped in a padded cell for 20 years um you think that they would be able to have the strength to get out but i guess because they kind of have to rely on the strength of the body that they inhabit and victoria you know um is a middle-aged woman so i guess you know it was uh not strong enough for mother to really break out and do anything but yeah i mean it was creepy um and this is where like the creep factor kind of comes into play with this show where it's so easy for them to turn right you'll have them talking normal at once and then suddenly you know go into that very exorcist sort of voice and you know i have to say that what i loved about damon and victoria is damon never say gave up on the fact that his mother was still in there and even if it's like there's no hope originally of ever separating the two. He still goes and sees her every day and he still, you know, tries to do what he can to get through to the woman that is trapped inside. Yeah, that, that was very special. I mean, cause you got to remember Damon spent the most time out of both of the, out of uh, he and his sister with, with Victoria. Um, so the connection is deep rooted. We saw it when Anna came into the picture. It was kind of just like, yeah, we can go ahead and kill this demon. I don't really care what happens to the vessel. And it's like, uh, but that's your mom. Yeah, so what? Well, um, we come to find out, you know, a little later that Anna has some deep harbored right. resentment because their father, you find out, was a serial killer, I guess, on top of being also a demon. They never really go into it that much because... I think, again, they were trying to stray away from the fact that they are children of Satan. Um, but, you know, you find out that the father is a serial killer who took Anna away and made her watch all of the very gruesome killings that he did. And to Anna, to a young girl, um, she thinks that her mother, who's there to protect her, didn't do her job so she doesn't have those very warm or fuzzy memories maybe as damon does and also damon you find out you know a lot of his actions is very much based on guilt because he's the reason why his mother is institutionalized 
Yeah, he ultimately had to make the hard decision, which was she is bonkers, and I can't keep dealing with it alone. Um, but yeah, no, Victoria bursting onto the scene here at, at the beginning of this series, um, she did a great job. I also love the the voice that she was able to go from, from that really deep, scary voice. Back oh man, that must have hurt her freaking vocal cords when she was doing it. I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that was that voice. That demon voice sounded like I just smoked thirty packs of cigarettes like, in like three hours, and this is what I sound like. Um, but it was very much scary. It was very much um, fun to hear. Um, but I, I would say the introduction I enjoyed the most was from Anna. Um, yes. If you thought Damon's level of sarcasm was entertaining. And I was just like, do me a favor, Damon, hold my beer. Let me just show them what real sarcasm is. Um, I loved her. So apparently she is a art dealer. Art curator. Curator, thank you. Um, and she works with Yin. Yin, I also love. Yin, to me, was the heartbeat of this season. Mm -hmm. um, but what she does in her off time is she seemingly would be best friends with Frank Castle. Um, it looks like, Tia, I'll let you elaborate here, but it looks like she punishes those who have done harm to others. Yes. Um, first of all, love Anna. Tell me that, in, in not very much, I don't know why in my head, I guess when I was first introduced to them as siblings, and especially when they were like, I kind of thought of Damon and Anna a little, I know, a little bit um, as Ward and Joy Meacham, you know, but obviously, like, Joy was totally annoying and Anna wasn't annoying. But in the fact that, like, they're these very, like, uh, they have this very deep, dark past and they are both kind of, I mean, obviously, Anna is very successful um she's talking about like her three thousand dollar heels and eating caviar just as if it's like nothing and but damon also has a very nice house even though he is a professor but i guess he's a professor at a very nice university so he's obviously getting paid well and then they at first dislike each other i don't know why in my head i was like oh they're like a better functioning like meacham family but um yeah, no, first of all, I love Anna and Yen together um, and that they're in the art business and which kind of makes sense considering Anna's background that she would be into these very like ancient artifacts. But yeah, no, I love that Anna's like whole thing is I have these powers and I'm going to use it to pretty much punish people who are awful human beings. I think she you know, is doing it to people who uh, were convicted pedophiles, who, um, you know, followed maybe women home and beat them or raped them or something like that. And yeah, no, as you said, her and Frank Castle would be complete friends. But it seems like for Anna, and we find this out, say, later, um, I think Anna almost has an addiction to doing something like this. Um, because she asks Yen later in the series, she's like, oh, you know, if you want to, you know, satisfy me or something, you're going to have to feed me. Meaning like, you know, you're going to have to help me find then another victim to do this. And I think that with Anna and Damon, whereas Anna, 
Anna like doesn't care a huge amount on the surface. We obviously find out things that are below the surface, but both of these people have demonic powers, which to many can be, you know, first of all, uh, many of the people in their lives are hunting demons and they themselves are hunting demons, but yet they are part demons. So both of them are using their powers in a way to justify the fact that they even exist. And I think that this is Anna's way of justifying her existence and not that, and saying that she's not like all the other demons out there. Yeah, it's it's somewhat of her way of saying, um, I didn't want these powers, but I'll 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 put them to good use. Um, and and she does. I mean, you know, she always has the same philosophy that Frank does, to where there's like, there are really bad people on this earth that don't deserve to be here. Um, and normally you'd like them to kind of go, I I'll have them arrested, but her and Frank take a uh, a different path. Uh, I have to say, too, really quick on the Chris Yen thing. So um, the actor's name, I think, is Alain You, You know, I don't know how to pronounce this last name. I do apologize to the actor. Um, my whole point is that I had posted this thing on. Do you know that meme, Joan, with Cap and Hawkeye, where Cap is like, how are we looking? And Hawkeye goes sexy, but not like we're trying too hard. Like, sure, we're trying, but it's almost effortless. Yeah. I put I did a tweet where I was like, oh, this is Anna and Yen. And the actor freaking liked it and retweeted it. And I was like, yes, I am validated now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tia is a celebrity, so that's no, there's talk there. Um, they were very, they were very fashionable. Like again, the fact that Anna could be like, would she say to Christiane at some point? She was like, "Come on, let's go. We'll have some cristal. We'll have some caviar." And I was like, "I wish I could just randomly be like, do you want to go get some caviar? Let's go get some caviar. Do you know how expensive caviar is? <laughs> very, very much so. Um, but no, I mean, I I love them. I mean, she was a huge crush for me this entire series." Um, like every episode I'm watching, I'm just like, she has no idea how much I love her. Oh, she's um, beautiful. Yeah. She's like this tall, like slender goddess who's a complete and utter badass. Um, and I just love the power bob. She was like bringing it back from the year of uh, whenever. Did you ever see like when Ant Man and freaking the first Jurassic World came out? It was like the year of the power bob, and I was like, she's bringing it back. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I'd even say she does. She does it the best. She does. <laughs> I, I love it. I love what she was doing here. Um, she really stood out to me, really. And, and it was tough for her to be my favorite over Damon um, because it was just one of those things where it was just like, he is he is all that. Like, it was, oh, I'll give a better example. I compare liking Anna over Damon being difficult to where watching John Bernthal and Charlie Cox and going, I'm going to go with John on this one, Charlie. Like, I love you, but there's something about this guy over here as Punisher that is really doing it for me. Well, it's the gray area, you know? Um, Anna and and Frank exist within the gray area, whereas Damon and Matthew Murdoch kind of exist within that, always believing that there's a good way to do things. Absolutely. And I remember when 
uh, we're, we're kind of all over the place here, but that, sorry, <laughs> that's what I love about us doing uh, these reviews together. But we, we do see a moment where Anna is, um, oh, Anna's covering up Yin's, Yin's murder. And <laughs> Damon is like, uh, excuse me? Oh, that was hilarious. She was like, um, oh, he ran off with the skull or, oh, he, uh, he's going to ruin his shoes or something like that. And Damon's like, he just murdered a guy. She's like, oh, yeah, and murdered someone. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then she's like, all right, so we're going to have to cover this up. He's like, we? Why don't we call the cops? And she's like, yeah, no, we're, I, I'm just going to get rid of it. And he's sitting there looking at her like, are you crazy? We don't just murder people. And she's like, if only you knew. That is true. That is very true. <laughs> she's like, I do this for sport. But to shine um, a little bit of a light on what you were saying originally about um, her killing people that are like, you know, women abusers, murderers, pedophiles, stuff like that. She could touch them and see all the things that they've done. Mm -hmm. um, just to kind of give uh, the listeners like a, a little bit more of an idea on that. She could touch them and see it. Um, so, you know, the guy that we see in the first episode that she kills, she kind of saw him sexually abusing uh, a woman in like the backseat of, of his car or whatever. Um, so that was her validation of, all right, sicko, he's got to go. Um, just she's shine a little bit of a light on that. She's very powerful. Not only the fact that she can simply kill someone by it looks as if maybe she's say sucking the life force out of them. Right. Um, also, though, when she was cleaning up that dead body that uh, Chris Yen had killed, she was literally contorting it in midair to be in a box with her mind. I was like, I don't know. Anna might be stronger here. Like, Anna might definitely be stronger here. The Damon problem, can't do that. <laughs> the problem is, I don't believe either one of them have even scratched the surface of what they can do. Remember, oh, Anna, remember when Anna kept saying, like, I can't forge fire. That's Damon's thing. Yeah. And, and Victoria was like, yeah, you can. Just try. And she was like, okay. And then she did it. <laughs> and she was like, oh, I can do fire now. Um, so I think the whole point of, of this season was to show you that neither one of them have ever really had to use use their powers to the extent that they had to, excuse me, in the later half of this season. So it was kind of letting us know, like, um, hey, they've never really had to face anything this strong. It was kind of like um, us seeing Thor's journey in the MCU. Like, Thor I was just thinking that I was like, it's some people, but when he got to Thanos, it was like. Not, not even Thanos. When he got to Hela, it was kind of like, wait a minute. I'm strong without my hammer? I never really had to like see what life was like without my hammer. I'm pretty strong. Um, well, and that's that, the he kind of figured out the, the true strength that he had and was able to use it. And that's the thing. I, it's John. It was so funny. I was literally thinking about Thor Ragnarok, right? I was like, it's where in Thor Ragnarok where Taika Waititi was like, just go ape shit. Like, just go apeshit. And there were many times in this where I really just wanted Damon to just go there. It's like, you're so powerful. We can already tell. Like, just go there. And I feel that season one was supposed to be touching the surface. And that if we had gotten a season two, it'd be like, we could really see, like, what the hell Damon could do. 
Yeah, it's 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 what they always do in part ones. Like if you look at what Stark was able to do with his suit in Iron Man one, and then what he was able to do in Iron Man two, he would have easily dusted Ironmonger if he had his Iron Man two suit in mm-hmm. Iron Man one. So I mean, it's just it's all about the um the evolution. Um, he's never had to really extend his powers to what he had to. So now it's more so like now we can assume that he's learned how to do how to use his powers. Um, maybe Anna's learned how to use her powers. But what I loved about this first episode the most was the idea of, and I'll use caretaker's words, or not necessarily the first episode, but the whole premise of the first few episodes is when caretaker's like, the last thing we need is a Hellstrom family reunion. Yes. <laughs> it was why caretaker and Dr. Hastings had, had kept Anna and um, Damon apart because only God knows how powerful they are together, let alone individually. Um, and I love how it turned out to where it's like, damn it, we need them in the same place. <laughs> like, like we can't keep them apart anymore. Um, and, and how dangerous that truly began to be having the three of them all in the same place. Uh, so walk me through that, Tia, the, the whole idea of how scary it was to them of the uh, the siblings being reunited. Oh, yeah. I love that. First of all, um, I loved Caretaker's character. Um, and I certainly would love to talk a little later about he and Dr. Hastings' relationship with each other. But I love that whole sentiment. Like the last thing is a Hellstrom family reunion. And it's, it's a, it's funny because you could tell the two of them have been apart for a very, very, very long time. And I think I saw someone on Tumblr point out that Damon did try to say, connect with Anna uh, via text message. And you see Anna kind of ignoring it. So it's like, they haven't really been together in that sense. And then they especially haven't fought uh, together, um, you know, against other things before. So it's, I love the sentiment of you have these two siblings who are separated two completely different lives, two completely different uh, sets of morals. And it's like, they're both so strong in their own sense. And I love that, that it's like, you know that Damon is strong, you know Anna is strong, but God, if we put them together and then we put them together with their mom who still has a freaking demon inside her, yeah, no, that was great. Yeah, no, I, I really, really, really love the idea of that because it, it always makes me smile when a show sets up like, this is bad, but that could be so much worse. And then the worst always happens. It's like, all right. <laughs> Let's see how how much uh, how much worse the situation can get. Um, but yeah, I, if I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Didn't they also fight against each other at some point? I was like, oh did. no, they did. they did very early on and very often. Um, yeah. All right, so walk me through this. So we obviously see the whole premise of the first few episodes is it's this skull. Um, right that is very creepy by the way very much i'm sorry reminded me of the the scene in the mummy like any scene really i don't know if you were a big fan of the brendan fraser mummy movies i'm not talking about the tom cruise ones but i'm talking about the brendan fraser it's like anytime someone went down to a tomb you knew it was going to be bad it's like those movies have prepared me 
for that. So when they went down to the tomb, I was like, it's not going to be good. And that was like really, that was scary. This is what I'm saying. Like there were some really scary scenes in this movie, uh, not this movie, in this series that made me like, <gasps> um, oh God, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. And so the skull um, and Anna, you know, she brings it back, which I'm like, all you did was put like a freaking cloth over it. Like, really, this is, like, some, like, supernatural skull. It clearly is not freaking human, uh, just looking at the skull. And then you see at some point um, Chris Yen. Uh, he's almost called to it. And it was a little creepy when you see he's staring at it and he opens it up and he, like, pretty much, like, pierces his own skin with the teeth of it. I was just like, oh, what is going on here? I really thought we were going to lose Christian like several times. I was like, I can't handle this because I really liked him very early on in the show. But yeah, the whole thing was getting the skull and then knowing how to use it properly. Because at one end it was, well, we can use this skull to uh, defeat our father. But at the same point, we can use this skull to get rid of the demon in mother and it was like but i it kind of felt like the skull was like a one-use trick so it's like what to use it on and the siblings fighting over that because anna we do find even though anna really seems like she doesn't give a shit about victoria because she even calls her victoria sometimes not even mom um she seems to maybe at some points not give a shit about damon but she loves chris yen she says that's my best friend right there and so she just wants to do whatever it is to get christian safe and to get this hold that the skull has on christian off whereas damon's like like why don't you care what we can use with this skull to help mom yeah and we see the skull brings on one of my favorite characters of the series caretaker um who has pretty much been the dad that anna never had uh, you know, albeit her serial killing dad. Uh, <laughs> he very much loved Anna. Um, albeit he even expressed this to Anna. Um, he was never really there for her when she needed him. Um, but he was always afraid of being too close and then, you know, not living up to what she needed. Um, but she obviously cared for him the same way that Damon cared for Dr. Hastings. Right. Um, we see later on that caretaker's kind of talking to Dr. Hastings and is like, well, you're taking the boy. Do you want the girl, too? And she's kind of like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> she thought it was like, mm, she... <laughs> I think I want them both. Um, so they then make a pact that, all right, we'll always keep them separate. I'll take her, you take him. Um, and that was somewhat the deal that they made together, but we see Caretaker as part of a group, Tia. Did you want to get into that uh, that group that he's a part of? Yes. Yeah, so the group that he is a part of is called The Blood, who apparently is an ancient organization that has worked alongside the Catholic Church for decades, centuries. And their whole thing is that they find people who are possessed and they put them in comas because the whole thing is that um, with possessed people it's that they're trapped inside these bodies and if you put them in a coma then you're pretty much 
putting that demon at bay because it's like if you just kill the person or if you if you just release the demon right it's like they're then free to possess someone else and that human is never going to be okay again they make it very obvious that once a demon possesses someone there's like permanent damage right away so this is how they feel they can combat the whole demon thing best now albeit that is very questionable um we see gabriella is very mortified by that and even threatens to tell the church which it's so interesting right i have to say this um we have this show that leans very heavily into catholicism and we had daredevil that leans very heavily into catholicism but very two different ends of the spectrum um i always i have to wonder what what matt murdoch would think of this whole thing he'd be like what the what um well what's funny is what's funny is both both sides are very lenient to people that they love. Like, think about it. Like, Dr. Hastings coming from the cloth like she does, um, seeing what Anna was doing was kind of just like, what the hell? Like, I'm not okay with any of this. And then remember, um, the, I think it was the, the preacher in Daredevil. Like, when he found out that he was Daredevil, it was kind of just like, eh, well, I really do care about Matt. So, you know, it's, it's all right. It's okay he's beating people up at night. You know, <laughs> kind of like both sides were like, if I love you, I'll let some stuff slide. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like that, though, the idea, you know, of a, a badass, like, priest or a badass nun. Um, and whatchamacallit it, Oh, God, what was I going to say? I It just made me think of I just a funny little scene, by the way, because, you know, Gabriella is um, she's not a nun yet, but I forget what they call her. She's pretty much a nun in training. And I love it's such a little scene in the beginning episodes of the show. But I do love the scene of damon anna and gabriella are in the car and anna's just like so what are you into guys girls did you party you know you're really pretty are you sure you want to be a nun and damon's like is she bothering you just tell me if she's bothering you it was like that was such a sibling thing where anna's like oh you clearly like this girl i'm going to pester the shit out of her well also it's not even just that. I really do think Anna was was attracted to her because. Oh yeah, so she. There was another scene later where she just like, oh well, you're here. Why don't you come in? <laughs> it's like you want to come in? Like you know, is this happening? And it's like Anna, let it go. Poor Gabriella <laughs> is just like, what is happening? Like, on Monday, I was living a normal life. Now I got two demons trying to court me. <laughs> I'm trying to stay alive. I was going to say, like, I I feel like that would be definitely in Anna's uh, personality to, like, try to get Gabriella before Damon could. It's like, oh, you like her? Sorry. I got to her first. Sorry, she's mine. Don't even worry about it. Um, I felt that, too. I definitely felt that. I was like, oh but and can i say really quick i know we're not on the like succession of this right but it's one thing that i've always thought that you know it's it's a big thing in say the mcu that there hasn't been proper representation for the lgbt right 
um, they tease so much that end game it'd be like you know the first gay character and it was literally one of the russo brothers for like 0.25 seconds saying oh this guy that i went on a date with right and it's like oh thanks that's that's really what the lgbt wants like two seconds of representation (laughs) um but the shows have always seemed to been able to do that right we had jerry in um that was her name right jerry in Yeah, Hogarth and Jessica Jones. We had Shades in Luke Cage. And in this, you had Chris Yen and his boyfriend just being so completely normal. It was normalized. And it was like, this is how it should be. And the unfortunate thing is I don't think people are going to talk about because I don't think people are going to watch this show. I will say I didn't know Yen was, was gay literally until the cop showed up and was like, I'm looking for my boyfriend. And I was just like... Oh wow, who's his boyfriend? <laughs> I was like, oh wait, Yin? Oh, okay. I don't know. Like, I I honestly didn't really think anything of it because like they didn't really bring unless I missed it, they didn't really bring up like his love life till we saw his boyfriend. No, and I think that was supposed to be like the point. Like it would be as if his girlfriend was coming into the thing. Right, right. And that's why I said I, I always tell you I just want it to be normalized, and I felt like this show normalized it. Because it wasn't like, you know, like they didn't make his character seem like overtly flamboyant or anything right. like that. Like it was just, you know, just regular guy enjoying his, you know, his job and hanging out with Anna. So I was just like, oh, okay. Like, no biggie. Like this is just her her really good. Uh, I didn't even think it was her really good friend. I honestly just thought it was a guy that worked for her that really wanted to keep his job. And she was kind of <laughs> like... I can't find anybody better to replace you. So I'm going to treat you bad because you won't leave. Like that's legit what I thought their relationship was. She kind of uh, did treat him bad at some points because he had recovered from the incident with the skull and obviously his boyfriend didn't know anything about any of this. So it looked very suspicious. And then the boyfriend's supposed to be coming over for a lunch where again, Yen is trying to like mend things with him. And Anna's like, yeah, how long is this going to take? Like, I love how she tried to do it in a nice way. She was like, um, so is this gonna take long? And it's like, it's a lunch, Anna, (laughs) with my boyfriend. Like, yes, I'm gonna spend some time with him. And she's kind of like, I'm gonna need you. Like, that's not gonna work for me. I'm gonna need you guys to kind of speed this up a little bit. And it's like, all right, Anna, get out. I mean, yeah, I mean, she felt like they first of all just started their lunch and she was just like, yeah, how long is this going to take? And she was just like, you need to come and like help me. And I love how the boyfriend's like, the boyfriend pretty much said in so few words, like, you're being a bitch like go chill out because he pretty much is <laughs> like you know what i do when like i'm stressed and being very erratic and aggressive like i go to the gym and she's like yeah i'll take that under account but um i have to talk about this and i know this is skipping ahead a little but while we're on the subject of it i mean anna tried to kill the boyfriend at she some did. point yeah she did one thing i have to say i really enjoyed about her character arc is mm-hmm. that she was showcasing how much that time away with her dad really affected her to where it desensitized her to murder um to where it was kind of the thing to where she could do what she does on you know unbothered because it's just she's just so used to it she's used to just seeing dead bodies and people dying all over the place so to kill him 
you know, it really showed you how she's changed because I believe episode one Anna would have done that without even thinking twice. Boom, he's yeah. dead. Sorry, Yin, don't know what to tell you. He must have just, you know, dropped dead, I guess. <laughs> but um, episode seven, episode eight Anna, who is now, you know, the heart has grown in, inside of her. Um, she's not the same person she was when we first saw her. Um, you know, it, it, it was really bothering her. It was like, do I really want to even do this? Like, he didn't do anything wrong. He just wants time with his boyfriend. Like, he legit isn't doing anything wrong whatsoever. And she was trying to find, like, maybe maybe there's dirt on him. Maybe there's there's something that Yen doesn't know. And it's like, no, Anna, he's legit a really good guy that just wants you to stop working his boyfriend to the bone. Um, and I think that, that part of her was kind of just like, you know what? I can't do this. And you can't. You have to imagine that they really don't spend a whole lot of time with each other because he's a cop. So he's probably working crazy hours. If Chris Yen is working crazy hours, it's like, when did they ever get to see each other? Right, right. And I think Anna's like, this is perfect for me. <laughs> and Ian's like, I hate this and my boyfriend hates this. But um, that was a huge scene for me uh, when it comes to Anna. It was showcasing that she is definitely changed for the better. Um, and you know, we did see, we did see both characters flip-flop. We saw Damon at the beginning, very against the idea of killing. Um, and we saw Damon very much towards the end of the season. Okay. With killing under the right circumstances. Well, yeah. I mean, I was just thinking about, um, that scene where, so, you know, he's half demon, right? And even though he's using his powers for good, the blood, not caretaker, but the rest of the blood is still thinking of him as one of the bad people. They 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 constantly throw out the whole terminology of like your kind, right? Right. And they went to go attack him, and he kind of puts on this big of a show that again was like maybe this is where it gets its MA uh, rating from because it was definitely shocking. Um, he pretty much is has what like four or five people uh hanging by their necks on top of very unstable uh platforms and then he uh takes away all of those things that were holding up and his mind is the only thing that's holding him up and he's pretty much just like so if i'm such a monster I'll then show you how much of a monster i was and i'm like oh my god is damon really gonna do this yeah, and I, I loved it because he, he was telling Gabriella, like, this isn't for you. Like, don't worry. This isn't for you. This is for her lurking in the shadows over there. Um, yeah. And his whole point was to let them know, like, I get it. I get it. You think because we are a product of our father that we will turn out to be just like him. But if you knew anything, you would know for the past 20 years, I've been nothing like my father. Like, I'm not out here just murdering people. Um, so the idea of you trying to do this is like, for what? I'm not. I'm not the enemy. Like I, I hate these these demons as much as you do. Like, <laughs> like my whole job is to exercise demons out of people. So you hunting me down of all people is just kind of like, all right. Let let me go ahead and show you what I could do if I wanted to. Yeah. Um, and you know that was kind of his exercising of of his abilities to kind of show her. I could be a monster every day of the week if I wanted to. 
but clearly that's not who I am. Um, and I love that. I love the show of force. I love every time Damon was kind of just like, you know what? This whole nice guy thing. I'm not really digging it. I'm going to well, go I, these guys like who I could be. I love the line in it where uh, Gabriella goes to get like a shovel and she's just like, you know, don't do this. And he's like, oh, I want to do that if I were you. And she's like, I don't want to hurt you. And he's like, no, I'm just saying you really don't want to break my concentration right now. Yeah. like <laughs> He's like, go ahead and break it so their necks can snap. Good, good, good. Um, but speaking of that, let, let's talk a little bit about um, – uh, some of Mother's demon minions that she sent on, out on the loose. They were all definitely fucking creepy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, I'm telling you, like this, this show definitely upped the creep factor, right? Um, at some point, the guy who they think is their father is in fact one of Mother's, I guess, sons, Basar. Um, who has like the very creepy ability to open up the lower half of his body and literally like consume people Um, that like freaked me out. Um, But then she has her like little minions possessing a priest, possessing actually another member of the blood. Um, And I just thought the whole thing was really like when mother escapes and she's, pretty much you know uh commanding her little henchmen it was like you really didn't know what to expect because it's like when you have a demon who can possess like other people it's like who are they going to show up with and then it makes you question like who is sincere right like are they really because there are several times they even did that with mother where you think that it was victoria and then it was really mother again. So yeah, that whole thing was like creepy. <laughs> yeah, I think the the scene that stood out to me the most about her minion was the scene where um, the demon had possessed the uh, the guy driving the um, uh, the guy uh, that was the the hitchhiker. They got in the car, the car with the guy. Oh, yeah. This huge pileup crash with this uh, huge truck. And he's inside the guy. And it's kind of like he's baiting Damon. Like he's baiting him. Mm-hmm. He's, he's kind of trying to uh, tick him off. And, um, you know, he's trying to start a fire uh, that, you know, take out Damon and Gabriella. And Damon's just like, oh, you must have forgot. Like, fire's my thing. Like, I'm going to go ahead and go. <laughs> Um, but I love mostly what I loved was every time one of these demons came after Damon and like threw something at him, Damon always sensed it and was like, come on guys, you, you really got to stop this. <laughs> like, come on now. How many times do I have to dodge this stuff for you guys to realize like it, 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 it doesn't work. Um, but I, I really did love her minions. Like you said, one of them could open his entire self up. Um, and consume people. We saw that in the parking garage. Yes, um, with the lady that uh, Anna was was chasing after. Um, when he did that, and the way that it was like sucking her in, I was like, "Oh my god, this is like this is terrifying." 
It was so terrifying because the thing is, is that they didn't do it where, you know, you really saw a whole lot of it. The scene in the parking lot was from a distance, right? Right. And, but you could hear like the bone snap, you could hear her screaming and, you know, I kind of like that. Like where you have the thing where you say that you don't like uh, unnecessary sex scenes, right? I don't like unnecessary gruesomeness. I feel like you can achieve the same level of like fear, the same level of, uh, you know, horror and not have it where it's unbearable to look at. So Tia definitely never watched the saws. <laughs> no, no, actually I only ever saw one and I was like, I'm never going to watch this again because it's, I don't like the whole sub genre of gore porn. Like, that's what it is to me. That's what the Saw movies are. And honestly, that's what The Walking Dead became like a lot of the times. And that's why I've stopped watching it. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that. (laughs) I'm like, you don't need, like, I don't need to know what it looks like to see someone's face literally being split in half. Like, I, you could, you know, turn the camera away. I'll, I'll get the idea. (laughs) <laughs> like the sound is enough for me the sound is enough <laughs> yeah it's it, it's funny because when we did our horror movie show i was telling them how like if you were born in like the 80s like slasher is what you grew up on yes um if you grew up in like the mid to late 90s uh gore porn is what you grew up on that was legit the hype of saw of um stuff like touristus of stuff like um uh, hostile um and then from there everything just got more gruesome um and i think the whole point of it being gruesome is like all right slasher is where you mostly get your sound like i don't have to show i stabbed her in her throat for you to kind of get that i stabbed her in her throat um and that was when james wan was like how can i enhance this fear I know I'll do gore, like really intense gore. And I will say it's good you only saw the first saw because that is the least gruesome. Oh, no, no. I didn't. I didn't. What I meant to say was I didn't see the first one. I saw one of them. I saw, I think it was like the third one or something. Whatever the movie, whichever movie it was where they had like some lady that was like naked in the middle of like a room that was like freezing. They kept just throwing like ice cold water at her. It was like so torturous. Yes. Okay. Oh, and then the other girl, like, like she had to stick her hand into acid in order to get a key. Oh God. Yeah. See, this I can't, I can't, I can't do that. (laughs) All right. So yeah. All right. So my point to you was going to be, it would have been better if you only saw the first one (laughs) of all of them. Um, but no, the one you saw was, um, yeah, the, the the option was put your hand in the uh, the acid to get the key, or this contraption will pull your entire torso apart. And it did it anyway. It like is, she, it anyway. Yeah. she did it anyway. That was such a horrible movie. A friend dragged me to the theater to go see that. I'll never forgive them. We're not friends yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no that that is like yikes. If you don't like gore, that was like the worst song. <laughs> to, be, uh, to be brought to um but no this 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 does handle it like you said um very calmly very mildly 
uh, to where you kind of get the gist of it. Um, even when Damon was stabbing people with like the flaming dagger, it was kind of like you didn't see it go through their body. You kind of got the idea of like he's stabbing them. Like I, I-, I stabbed them. You-, you should be able to get that from <laughs> just showing the back of the guy and yeah. me kind of lunging towards him. Like y- you can kind of connect those dots. Yeah, to me, I was like, and we will definitely talk about that in a sec, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't like gore porn. So I thought that Hallstrom uh, as a series did that really well in using camera angles and sound effects to really drive home that whole thing. Because to me, Hallstrom wasn't about the gore, right? It was about the horror. It was about the spookiness, the creepiness of it. And I'm telling you, Juan, I felt on edge at every moment. Anytime there was like a nice thing happening, I was like, what's going to ruin this? Like even, even a scene as simple as like caretaker and uh, Dr. Hastings, Hastings just sitting on the couch together. I was like, okay, what, what's going to mess this up? Um, by the way, I have to ask you, Juan, you know, what did you think finding out about not only Dr. Hastings having cancer, but finding out that it was mother who gave it to her. Uh, well, the first thing I thought was, um, I thought that's, I thought that's how she got it, um, right. because we only saw the symptoms at at the moment while she was in that hospital. So it was kind of just like, all right, well, we know this lady is super strong, so it's very plausible that she's like manipulating this somehow. Um, but to be strong enough to give somebody cancer is like, all right, like you shouldn't have that much power. Like that, that, that's insane. Um, but yeah, no, I was devastated for Damon. Cause I'm like, if Damon finds out that mother is using Dr. Hastings as like a rag doll, um, you know, to, to kind of get her way, he's going to be pretty pissed. And, you know, we, we find out that he found out about it obviously way after um, yes but that was the whole point for dr hasting she was like don't like he's already stressed out enough like let's let's not put more on his plate yeah um i hated hearing that diagnosis i was like no no oh no <laughs> um because i she's a, such a phenomenal character and it's kind of like so you're telling me that this character has a very real illness that, and her saying that she wasn't going to get chemo treatment. Um, I was just like, no, come on. And like caretaker came back and there's clearly like some sort of like romantic, they could call each other friends all they want. Okay. That there was some romance that was going on between there was them. sexual tension there for, for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And I was like, you're going to tell me that like he's back finally. It looks like he wants to kindle some sort of, you know, unresolved tension here and she's like, "Yeah, I have cancer and I'm not going to do chemo." I was like, "Why? Why?" He <laughs> was like, "Hey, I love you." And she was like, "All right, cool. I'm definitely going to die." Like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a minute. That sounds really selfish. Like, I'm I'm here to tell you that I love you. And it's like, "No, no, no. That that's cool, but like I'm kind of done with this whole fighting thing." Like, like <laughs> Yeah, no, but um um, but no, all right. One person we haven't really uh, dug deep into, and the character is very important to this story, is uh, Gabriella. Yes. Walk me through the evolution of a character 
that had a huge tonal shift. Um, oh yeah. Series. Oh yeah. I mean, they completely changed her character. I mean, she goes from so. First of all, we meet her, and she's a as we said, a nun in training. Um, what I liked about Gabriella in the beginning is that she wasn't naive. Like, yes, she was a nun and she believed in the goodness of people. She was very much uh, praying and all that, but she wasn't, say, naive. You know, she had clearly lived a life before being called to faith. Um, she even to us, she says to Anna, like, yes, I partied. I did all this other things. I just didn't feel fulfilled because of it. So already that character um, shows you like she's not, as I said, a naive character. She's just b- believes in the good of people. And I really liked her dynamic with Damon and how she was always sort of rooting for him. And she was this warm uh, source of comfort. And honestly, I would have been okay if they had never even touched upon a romantic uh, relationship between the two of them. Like, obviously, I saw that that's where they were going with it, and I didn't mind it. But I would have been okay if she would have even, say, been fully a nun, and she was just there as more of a morality sort of touchstone. But I really, like, her character goes from such as you said a tonal shift you see her character is you know uh innocent in a sense she wants to help people she prays for the man that is trapped underneath the the cars that the demon is possessing she is vehemently against caretaker and the blood and what they do and then i don't know if you want me to get into then what happens to her is that okay if i do yeah good all right so and then throughout the show it's like she and damon seem again like they're gonna have this like little moment where they are going to be romantic with each other and i will say that at some point damon pulls away from her and he says something like you know i gotta go take a shower i probably smell like shit i almost felt like in a way that it was like like, yes, Damon felt this attraction to her, but maybe almost, and maybe I'm reading too into it, but I almost felt like Damon respected that she was going to be a nun and he didn't want to be the reason why maybe she, you know, went against like any vows. Like, I know she didn't take her vows yet, but she's clearly planning on it. And I almost felt in that way that he wanted to be respectful and maybe like, hey, let's take a beat. And let's make sure that you're okay with this decision that we're going to embark on this uh, sexual excursion. Well, um, sexual excursion is hilarious. Right? <laughs> I, say, um, I think more importantly, I think he was trying to kind of get her to understand like what she would be, you know, involving herself in. Right. That, you know, gone any further, like, Hey, I, I'm I'm sorry, Gabriella. Did you forget like my mom's a demon and my dad is like the devil and me and my sister are the children of the devil? Like, <laughs> are, are you forgetting that? Like, it, it, did that get lost on you? Um, and he kind of was kind of like, all right, let's not be heat of the moment. Kind of think this out a little bit. Like, what, what do you think happens from here? Like, we get married, you know, the the picket fence, we have beautiful kids, like. 
That's they would, by favorite. the way. They would have very beautiful children. <laughs> um, probably a bit demonic, but they definitely have uh, children. Yeah, so we see through that that Gabriella still, you know, even though she's a nun to be, she's Catholic and she is involved in, you know, performing exorcisms alongside Damon. She never really calls into his demon side, right? She never really judges him for it until then Gabriella is captured by mother's minions and they're both possessed, both Damon and Gabriella. They're pretty much forced uh, to have sex with each other, which neither of them remember because it wasn't, say, them. Which, by the way, is a little creepy because it was mother possessing, I believe, Gabri- was, was it mother possessing Gabriella? And it was, like, one of her sons possessing Damon, and then they had, like, sex, and then, like, now Gabriella is impregnated with mother. It was so weird in that aspect. I was like, and the way they did it was so weird. It was like... <laughs> it was so... <laughs> the, like, the camera, how it kind of, like, panned. And I was like, wait, did I just see that right? <laughs> yeah, it was like... That is, like, really... A, like, they were doing it as if it was, like, a business transaction. Like, I feel like, I feel like that's what it was. Yeah, like, I feel- hey, no, no feelings, no eye contact. You will not enjoy this. This is purely business. And it was I- like... I mean, I thought he was asleep at some point, and she was just like doing her thing, and I was yeah, just like, was "Like, all right, this is this is really weird." Like, that was uncomfortable. Yeah, it's crazy in the Marvel world, not the MCU, the Marvel world. There's two spectrums. There's what we saw Luke Cage and Jessica do, <laughs> and then what we saw Gabriella and <laughs> Damon do. It was Damon just like, it's like those are two polar opposites. Like. <laughs> I have never seen a blander sex scene than that one. That was so bad. But um, hey, I guess then they uh, they got what they wanted for because uh, Gabriella wakes up and she is pregnant, um, which is terrifying. And Damon at this point is possessed by Basar. And so, you know, the whole time that Gabriella is pregnant, which is literally a day, um she keeps trying to call out to damon trying to reach the real side of him underneath the possessed side and she can't do it and she's forced to now be in the hands of mother's minions she's pregnant with mother technically because she wanted to give herself an actual like body of her own as, as opposed to vessels and it's during this point i'm just going to summarize it it's during this point where damon and anna have their moments anna looks to free damon from this possession um i do want to get into that separately after this but the whole point is that uh gabriella does end up giving birth and there's a and this broke my heart there's a scene in the hospital afterwards where damon is now damon again and he's like you know we can raise this child it can be fine and it's like she said to him she goes i always you know i I," she's like i fooled myself into thinking that you were anything else she's like i called out for you and you weren't there she's like it made me realize that like you're not human and she literally goes i can't trust your kind and he looks at her so hurt where he's like my kind like 
she's never acted like that before and she's like i don't even want to look at the thing which you know if anyone knows like catholicism the whole idea of what she even wanted to do to that baby is very against the rules And, and so her even so that even goes to show that she didn't even consider that baby like human at all and then or hers and then of course the last scene we see of gabriella is her uh drinking alcohol looking very badass and uh aligning herself with the blood i will say the scene that i thought her acting was peak in is in the bathtub right after she had the uh the baby girl the mm-hmm. look of emptiness inside yes. of her um kind of let you know like there, that part of her that we've grown to see in the first, let's say, eight, eight to nine episodes is gone. Yeah, it's not there. It's gone. It's not the Gabriella we saw in episode one. Uh, this Gabriella is is um, is is completely different. She's shifted. Uh, that part of her is gone. Um, and that's like to me. Anybody that like studies acting, that like you know has has taken any acting classes. Acting isn't always what you do. It's sometimes just the subtleties of a facial expression. And the look of the emptiness in her was just like, it let you know, like, it's gone. That light that was there, it's gone. It's completely gone. Those scenes were so good with Gabriella and Damon. Because as you said, the emptiness you see in her, the complete... um not malice but just disregard for damon in the hospital she can't even look at him and as i said at the beginning of this podcast damon wasn't overly expressive but you could see the hurt on his face when she was like i can't trust your kind like he like i mean i think what what really bothered damon the most was if you remember at the beginning of the, the 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 series he didn't even want her. Like, <laughs> send her away. Like, she she won't understand this. And it turned out to be true. She she didn't. At the end, she didn't understand it any more than she did when she first became a part of it. Um, and that's what he kept trying to explain to Hastings. Like, they won't understand this. It's too much to try to comprehend. Like, just keep her far away from what we're trying to do. And Dr. Hastings is like, no, she can handle it. And it's like, I don't think she can. And it turned out that she really couldn't. Like, if she didn't understand at the end of that, that A, Damon couldn't control what was going on uh, when he was possessed, and B, that if he could have, he would have done whatever he could to save her. If she can't understand that, then, you know, it, it, it just proves that it was just too much for any uh, human being to really truly comprehend. I think to her what it showed was we see her throughout this uh, season, her trying to reach the people within the, anyone who's possessed, right? She always tries to reach the person within, pray for them, uh, try to speak to them. And I think that was her realization that if I couldn't even reach someone as strong as Damon, then these people really are truly lost. And what the blood maybe is doing is right because there is no reaching the person. So, but I mean, listen, Gabriella went through a lot, uh, you know, forced pregnancy, forced birth um, within 
you know, such a short amount of time, that's, that's horrifying. So um, I can't say necessarily to blame her, but I felt that her uh, turn was definitely shocking. And I, I felt bad for Damon because um, I think he saw an opportunity like, hey, we can raise this child um, together and we can give it a good life. And she was just like, that's not even a human being. Like, that needs to be killed. And he was just like, what are you talking about? Yeah, and again, I, I, I'm with you. I, I don't blame her whatsoever. Um, you know, in, in the scene that definitely hurt me the most, but I somewhat weirdly thought it was a little hilarious. <laughs> when she, uh, she was talking to Hastings, she was like, they've had me trapped down there for months. And oh, yeah, she's like, it's been a day. <laughs> been a day sweetheart and she's looking at her stomach like what the hell what do you mean it's been a day look how large i am um like i I legit was just like oh my god she's like this is a nine month stomach (laughs) this baby is about to protrude out of my body what do you mean it's been a day um but yeah even that was terrifying when the baby was coming out seeing it Uh, it was like like, poking at her yeah it was just like get me out of here i thought it was i i honestly thought it was gonna shoot out of her actual stomach like i thought it was gonna like break out and be like i would have legit thrown up um only because it would have been so unexpected i, I would have at least blew like three chunks right there <laughs> but um let's talk a little bit about um uh you wanted to talk a little bit about um well i wanted to talk definitely about um what you calls it them getting the blade and stuff because you know when we have you have this blade, right, that is in two parts. They need to get it together in order to get the uh, demon outside of, out of Damon. And I like this whole succession here because it showed how powerful the both of them were, right? It shows how powerful Anna is because, as you mentioned earlier, it's Anna discovering that she, too, can forge fire, and it was Damon really just like getting that power surging through him. And it kind of reminded, like, I wanted to see Damon just go crazy. Like, I wanted to see like Captain Marvel level, like him just engulfed in flames, whole entire room, like gone and shit. But, you know, he, he got, he got semi there, but you see the, I thought it was cool. The blade being like on freaking fire. It reminded me of, um, I didn't see the movie. I just saw the trailers of the recent Hellboy when he's like, you know, coming out with his sword on fire. And I was like, anytime you have a sword that's on fire, that's fucking cool. So it's like, I loved that shit. Just him like finally letting loose. And the reason why I always, I'm like mentioning the pentagram a bunch is that you see the scar on his chest, like somewhat light up. But it doesn't, like, I thought that they're finally going to go for it. And if they didn't go for it in that moment, that showed that um, this show was really trying to step away from anything that pointed to, like, Satanism. Um, because I was like, if you were going to have a moment where, like, it just really protruded out of his chest, that was going to be the moment. Yeah, they were trying to steer clear of that for reasons me and you are still unclear of. I just think because, you know, it 
when you boil it down uh behind all of this is disney disney is not gonna align themselves with something like that yeah unfortunately we we couldn't get the the full character we were hoping we could get but um the actor did a really good job for you know what they gave him no i still loved i still loved it i thought it was a great like um i thought at some point damon really was dead when his like body's getting like catapulted up and down and then finally it like hits the ground and his eyes are like completely bloodshot i was like did they just kill damon and you know because we were out to the last episode and i sat there i was like is this how they're going to end it? They're just going to have him dead? I was like, I mean, shit, I, I, I love Anna, but I kind of want both of them. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. And to me, speaking of the forging of, of the blade, I think what stood out to me was the ability um, for Anna to withstand some of those blade shots that she got from um, from Mother. Um I think it was when she was fighting with mother that she got some of those uh, blade shots. Um, but to me, I was really, really, really happy to see how strong Anna was in the end to kind of be like, I'm strong enough to get this job done. Um, I need you, Damon, to be strong enough to, to kind of carry the, the other, uh, you know, the other weight with me. And seeing that scene where Damon's just like, please kill me. And she's like, no, <laughs> like no, you don't just get to die here. Um, but yeah, I, I really do love the the growth of their relationship in in this first season. I loved it too because um, and I guess we can kind of move into like the endings of this season. But um, I love something as simple as Damon and Anna having that really nice moment at the end. Um, because that's not a moment that they would have in the beginning of the season where she's, she's genuinely smiling and they tell each other that they love each other. And she's like, I love you, big brother. And I was like, Oh my God, the character growth right now. Um, and it's very symbolic. I believe that didn't that happen. Yeah, no. Um, they had at some point in the show, they mention and show that Damon at some point tried to take his own life. Um, and after hearing Gabriella deny him, he goes back to the bridge and then, you know, he's just looking and he's almost like looking at his younger self. And then we see him at the bottom near the bridge and that's when Anna comes to him and they have this very, very warm brother sister moment. And I was like, I love this. My little goth children. I love it. Yeah, no, I, I really loved it too. And I think what I love most about the ending of that is um, we spoke about Gabriella's turn, but we see the baby in the crib. We, we see mm-hmm. everybody at the dinner table, caretaker, um, uh, Hastings, Victoria, Hastings. Um, I love, I loved what Victoria said. She was like, don't judge my cooking. I literally haven't cooked anything in like two decades. <laughs> I've been possessed. I, I love how he's like, oh no, I'm sure it'll be fine. And she's like, he must not remember my cooking. Yeah. <laughs> it's but it's like, 
he must be so happy to like finally have like a fit like i love their little makeshift family right it's like all these people that you wouldn't expect to be together like caretakers was literally a part of like a demon hunting cult and you have two demons there but yet they're all there having a nice meal and there's a baby and i'm just like i love this um no and i completely agree i will say the one thing i thought was funny was that how damon and anna both have money but they choose to have like a home-cooked meal there's nothing better than a home-cooked meal juan <laughs> there's also i will tell you this see if i had their money that <laughs> scene definitely would have been at like whatever the most expensive restaurant in <laughs> that's where we would have been i was like i'm not washing dishes i'm not i'm not going through cooking none of that <laughs> we're gonna go to this buffet or something um, well you know i'm sure that uh victoria's cooking probably wasn't that good and uh anna's like hang on hang on i randomly have this thing of caviar in my purse i'll sprinkle <laughs> it <laughs> i have this thing of caviar on me always yeah. um, we can get into the end credit scene yeah um the first end credit scene obviously was um wait what was the first end credit scene i know what the second one was with um with their daughter uh, oh no! The first end credit scene. I'm sorry. Was the showing the crib was empty, right? Um, the crib was empty, and someone obviously stole Damon's daughter. Um, I will say this though. I don't. I don't know. I'm not a parent, so I can't really speak to it. But when a baby is that young, should you be that far away from your child? <laughs> yeah, I. I don't know. Like, uh, you know. I can't speak to that. I feel like I feel like as a parent, I'm gonna be one of those like at least when the baby's like an infant and like young, I'm gonna be like the true definition of a helicopter parent. Like that baby's going to be like literally like on top of my lap at all times. Like yeah, Tina, like we're watching TV and it's like no, I'm I'm not letting the child go. I thought the whole point was like when it's that young, like the crib is supposed to be in the bedroom. Like the baby's supposed to be right there with you guys. Like the baby had its whole own room, and you just had the crib just sitting there alone while you guys are like enjoying dinner and stuff. Maybe they're know. like the child is like technically a demon itself, so they were like, "It's good, it's fine." Yeah, we it saw itself. It's part demon. It, 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 it's okay. Because we um, see in the and I don't mean to jump ahead of you. I'm gonna let you. Um, God, I felt like Kanye in that second. I'm gonna let you finish. But uh, <laughs> uh, really quick, I just wanted to say that you know we see that with the demons, everything is faster, right? Gabriella literally was pregnant within a day, gave birth. Um, the baby was an infant, and then it was like ten months late, not ten months, like a month later, and that kid was like at least thirteen years old. Right. Yeah, 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 no, you're absolutely right. Um, and we can get right to that actually. Um, we see we didn't bring this up, but we'll, we'll bring this up very briefly. Yin is uh, Yin through this whole ordeal has become a keeper, right? Um, he can kind of sense and feel what's what's coming, and I believe his job was to protect um, Damon's child. Mm -hmm. Um, so what was confusing about that was. We see the crib is empty. Then we see months later, Yin is with the kid. But it's like, did they find the kid again? And then say, like, Yin, you hold her? So, like, 
Maybe it was one of those things where the scene with the baby out of the crib wasn't supposed to show that the kid had been kidnapped. I think it maybe was supposed to show that maybe the kid was like walking out on its own because it was growing so fast. I'm not gonna. That that is definitely a. a Make that clear. Yeah, they didn't make that clear. That anytime I have to assume, it's like you didn't do your job. Like you were supposed to make that a little bit more clear. Uh, especially when you show me in the very next scene, the kid's like eight, nine, or ten years old, and it's like maybe it was one of those trust. Maybe it was one of those things where they originally were going to end it with the empty crib, and then once they started like getting wind of everything that was happening with Marvel, they were like, let's give a little bit of an, a different sort of ending that at least would have more of an evolution. Illusion? I don't know. Would at least allude more to like the direction that we wanted to go in. Yeah, I don't like that. Because if you found out that you weren't going to, you know, you weren't going to be continuing, just end it with the cliff uh the cliffhanger of like, oh, what happened to the baby? Like when you answer that question right there, that, that only left more of a cliffhanger. Yeah, because that was crazy. That was that was like, oh, that ending was so good. That was, I, I literally, as soon as I finished it, my chest like tightened and I was just like, oh God, like, oh, this was so good. This is so terrifying. <laughs> so you can walk us into it, Tia, uh, as we wrap this up. Your thoughts uh, on how that last end credit scene played out. So you have Yen with uh, the daughter, Kathara. Um, and she's again has grown very uh big at this point. Um, it seems like they were having a nice time, like you know, he's being Uncle Yen taking her out, and then he feels this dark energy, and she's like, Oh, what's wrong, Uncle Chris? I think she called him Uncle Chris, not Uncle Yen. Uh, Uncle Chris, and you turn around, and I forget who that actor was, but that actor is always terrifying always terrifying and it was like he's clearly playing this like big bad and i'm assuming that that's damon and anna's father that's how i took it yeah Uh, and he's this big dark presence right and he's just kind of like oh well you know like oh that's who you're uh saying saying your name is kathara like come on you don't remember what your real name was and i'll i'll tell you my uh my theory here she says oh my name is lily right and i felt like that was supposed to be a um nickname for her maybe being lilith and uh lilith yeah right you know who like the story of lilith right no okay well lilith is no no no. i said yep oh sorry sorry i thought you said no yeah so i thought like oh that's Lilith, because that would be even insaner, um, which is not a word, but I was like, what? And at first, Chris is like, you know, I'm a keeper. You can't hurt me. And he kind of just smirks, like as if he's so amused, and then you just see all these people dropping dead around him, because it's like, yeah, I can't hurt you, but I can hurt all these other people, and he still takes uh, Lily away, and you just see Chris, like, stand there because he's like shit i don't know what to do and you just see as uh the guy's walking away just more people dropping oh it was, su- it was such a good ending juan i want to hear your thoughts but it was such a good ending i loved it um it, it, i mean I, I literally bag every sentiment you you had there um 
wow, I can't believe I looked up his name and then that quickly forgot it. Uh, <laughs> his name is his name is Mitch Pelegi. Um Okay, the name doesn't ring a bell, but I know I've seen that face in things, and he has always played a scary mother effer. Yeah, I legit just saw him. Well, I always, I don't, I don't know why, but I religiously watched Sons of Anarchy, and he was the, um, the, uh, the racist Aryan Nation guy in in Sons of Anarchy. Um, I can see that <laughs> exactly. Um, not 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 too far from what he was in this, but um, but no. So apparently. And what I love is I looked at IMDb. His name is classified as Papa. So we now know there's mother and then mm-hmm. there's Papa. Papa. Um and yes, your 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 Lily um your Lily connection was a hundred percent accurate. It's exactly Wait, what I thought. That hang on. That would be so no, I'm not I'm sorry, I wasn't like hang on, Juan. No. I uh, <laughs> I'm it the wheels are turning, right? So if he's Papa, right? And that's in reality, Satan, Lucifer, whatever. And she's Lilith. It's like, that would make sense why they're Papa and Mother. Lucifer, you know, baiting Lilith. and Oh my God, see, this is making me so angry that this is probably the last we'll see of this because that was so good. (laughs) They did a great job connecting those dots. So, um, but I will say the one confusing thing is if that is Papa, what they're alluding to is um, their dad is the curator of literally like the devil. Um, and, you know, he takes all these different lovers that, that, that he um, is creating life with, but mother is legit. Like that is the, the woman in his life. Um, and there was never really any love that he had for Victoria. Um, it was more so using her as like a vessel. Um, that's kind of where I chalk that up to. Um, I'm looking right now, by the way, at the Wikipedia. It says Mitch Pelegi, like you said, as Marduk Hellstrom, a serial killer and father of Damon and Anna. So I guess later I'll look up like what that character actually is. But um, yeah, in IMDb they don't they don't classify it that that um that thoroughly only because i guess they classify that as like a spoiler to anyone that maybe mm-hmm. hasn't seen like all of the season but maybe wants to just see who the who's in it um so they just classify it as papa you know because if you look at it and it's just like papa you're like that could be anything um you know but if, if it tells you that it's their dad and then you watch this the first episode you're like oh that kind of like spoils a little bit right really because you don't know anything literally to like the last five seconds of episode 10. Um, but I think that's why IMDb usually doesn't give out that much information early out. Yeah, but either way, it did such a fantastic job ending it. Like the eeriness, of it, the dangerousness of it. Like I, that made me so excited because I was just like, oh man, season two would have been like so freaking cool. Now, did it was it actually said that like this is a one and done like that it's just one season um i believe it was said very early on that um marvel and hulu have no immediate plans of continuing um it kind of it kind of has the same treatment that warrior does from um going from cinemax to hbo max for its second season how like 
once they made the transition, HBO Max was kind of just like, I'm not giving you a third season. And it was like, but, but we already finished the second season. And if it's good, why not? And it's kind of just like, well, you're not really our property. We kind of inherited you. So, yeah, we're going to finish you out and then that's it. So that's kind of the feeling that it, it, it has with Hellstrom. That it's like, it obviously was made well before the transition. Um, and after the transition, it kind of seems like Feige is like, I kind of inherited you. Like New Mutants, I inherited you. I, I don't really want anything to do with you. Like, I'm not even going to promote you that much. And just looking at Hellstrom, like if you Google it, like people did not, at least the big reviewers that, you know, obviously people like Kevin Feige would pay attention to, uh, Marvel's Hellstrom won't be hard to forget. What the hell is Hellstrom? Hulu horror show is one of Marvel's worst in years. It's like, I just feel like people sometimes, oh, Marvel's Hellstrom can't justify its existence. It's like, um, I just feel like people love to hate on things, um, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, so uh, the outlets that Kevin Feige would be paying attention to did not like it. Unfortunately, um, those are the voices that are the loudest, but I had literally not one issue with this show. I really liked it. I was like, I can't say that I dislike this. Like, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I'm not sure where the disconnect for people, you know, why they necessarily disliked it. If it's because they harbored on the fact that it is a show that, you know, is a one and done or it's not the typical Marvel show. I'm not sh- sure where necessarily the dislike comes from, but. I thought it did it well. You know, it's a TV show. It for a TV show it had good effects. You know, the CGI wasn't terrible in the few moments that it was there. The acting was great. Like, yeah, okay, like uh Hellstrom wasn't wearing his comic book accurate outfit or something, but we literally had a whole entire Marvel Netflix universe where literally Matt Murdock was the only one in a comic book accurate outfit. You really didn't hear a whole lot of complaints. <laughs> well, first of all, I hated Daredevil's uh, color scheme and the look of his costume. I really? I liked it. it. It's just, it's nowhere near what it just, like the simplicity of, of doing Daredevil's costume, you went way overboard. Um, so I, I'll never be okay with that. But um, to me, accuracy is always funny when, when it comes from these reviewers' mouths um, because, you know, they pick and choose when that, when that term is, is accurate. Um, right. Like, Iron Fist didn't have a costume the entire series, and I thought season two was, was a huge success. Um, so, I mean, it just sometimes doesn't really matter. Um, and again, you can't blame Hellstrom for not giving you accuracy when they could have just been setting the table with season one and season two, they were going to get really, really, really crafty in what they wanted to do accuracy wise. Yeah. I mean, you can't always, you can't always judge with a season one, you know, in daredevil, Matt had the black outfit up until the final episode. We didn't see that outfit until the very, you know, the red outfit until the very end of it, right? Um, so I feel that 
you know, that's very... And, like, in Jessica Jones, no one complained that she wasn't wearing, like, her comic book accurate outfit. You know, they even, like, poked fun at it at some point. So it's like, I didn't really understand. But as you said, I think they pick and choose. It's like, they'll only throw that word out there if they want to, like, especially dislike a show. It's like, oh, and, you know, it, it wasn't comic book accurate, the outfits. Yeah, uh... To me, like I said, they, they, they pick and choose. That's stupid. But to me, it's like saying, oh, my goodness, um, the first Captain America wasn't accurate enough to Captain America. It's like, dude, it's part one of like a three part arc. Allow the arc to develop like that's just part one. Like, wait till you see part two and part three before you judge about a character arc. Um, so to me, this is obviously a, a table setter. This is how you set things up. Um, and then it progressively can either get really good or really bad. But I don't know. I didn't even read any of the reviews, um, mainly because I was already convinced that Feige wasn't going to continue with this. So even if they, if, even if the reports were that the show was a huge success, it was amazing. I don't know if that would have ever changed anything um, on Kevin Feige's side. So reading those reviews only would have stressed me out. So I completely avoided them. <laughs> Um, but all in all, Hellstrom season one, I give a eight and a half out of 10. Um, I highly recommend it. If you know about Hellstrom, if you don't know about Hellstrom, definitely give it a watch. But, uh, your thoughts, Thea? Yeah. Um, in my written review, cause I always kind of do things out of five. I gave it a four out of five. I really enjoyed it. I think that the, what I liked is. I felt like there was no filler really at any point, which was fantastic. Um, it was an eerie, spooky sort of show. It obviously, you know, had to make some adjustments from the comic books, but I didn't know anything about the comic books. It was perfectly fine to me. And I thought that every actor did a fantastic job with it. And to me, though, uh, Anna was the standout. She was just so phenomenal. Yeah, it, it's hard for me to disagree with, with that at all. I told you, that's my new crush. Um, that's my super crush. I now have to, like, see what else she does going forward. We we do need to uh, – I don't know if they'll ever allow us to do it, but we do need to do a joint interview for some of this cast and, like, their, um, their writers and their directors um, because I'm sure me and you have a lot of questions that somebody's going to have to answer. Um we need some answers uh, around this piece, but me and Tia highly recommend you guys watch Hellstrom season one, uh, streaming all of its 10 episodes on Hulu now. Uh, so make sure you guys go check that. And Tia, thank you so much for this review. Oh, thank you, Joan. I really was pumped and excited to do this. And I would just say, guys, give it a chance and form your own opinion. <laughs> We preach that here. Form your own opinion. If you watch it and don't like it, we will respect that way more than you telling us because a writer said they didn't like it. You chose to not watch it. Um, exactly. Have your own mind. Have even when it comes to our articles. If we say a movie is god awful, go see it. You might you might honestly think differently than us. We're not all like minded individuals. Um, so think for yourself. Go see it. You might like it. Um, and you might be part of what is the deciding factor on something continuing. Um, so support it. Please go support it. Um, 
Tia, thank you once again. Uh, make sure you guys stay tuned for we will be doing an all new Geek Labs live this weekend and all new top 10 this weekend, right, Tia? Absolutely. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that and check out our recent uh, horror movie podcast. It was a hilarious one. It was it was a lot of fun. Make sure you guys check that out. Tia uh, had a few interviews um, come out this week. You want to plug some of them, Tia? Um, well, actually, I did not have any interviews. <laughs> a lot of our associates at Geek Fives had a lot of interviews. We, uh, one of our associates interviewed Scott Atkins. Another one of our associates uh, interviewed Kyle Louder, I believe. So please make sure that you check those out. I have a few interviews coming out this upcoming week. So make sure that you just keep an eye at Geek Fives Nation for all of that good stuff. That's how powerful I am in the Hellstrom abilities. I was seeing into the future for Tia's interviews. <laughs> um, but uh, until next time, guys, peace. See ya.